Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. As you stay seated, Father, we thank you for your spirit this morning. Lord, we give you glory. All we can say is glory to your name. All we can say is you're worthy of glory, Lord, that everything you've done in these last 15 years is because of you. Lord, we take no, no glory in your presence. We don't glory in our flesh. We, we tell you that you are the reason of every life that's been changed. We're just your messengers. We're just your vessels. And we count it a blessing and an honor this morning to be part of the kingdom of God. And Lord, in this place today is we celebrate you and we glorify you. We declare that nobody is going to leave this place the way they came in. Lord, if someone's here sick today, they're already being healed. Lord, if there's a marriage that needs restoration, you're already working, God. Lord, if there's chains that need to be broken, they're, they're falling down now as we surrender to your precious name and your will and we surrender to who you are. And Lord, we ask you just to anoint this precious time together that we'll never get back again. This will be the only time we'll ever have this moment, Father. And we just thank you for the blood that is applied to us this morning. And we thank you for this time together in the mighty, precious powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Tell someone next to you before you sit down, I'm so glad you're here this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. You look extra good today, extra rested. Nine o'clock service, meet the 11 o'clock service. Amen. If you don't know each other, it's good to have you all together today. Amen. If, as Pastor Mario said, if we have guests, we hope that you are going to come back. We hope that you say there's something special about that Jesus that they preach in that place. Because that's who we're here to honor. Everything we do is about Jesus. Amen. And we're, we're so, I'm so thankful and humbled and amazed and blessed to be a part. You know, my mom and dad, what a blessing to have them here today physically. Uh, turned around and said, could we have ever imagined, I know Laura said the same thing, what this would have looked like 15 years later. And and as it was said, the best is yet to come. How many believe that? If the Lord tarries, the best is yet to come. Amen? So I want to talk just for a few minutes about the church, about this, who we are. And and I believe that you're going to learn something today. And I'm just going to take a few minutes. So if you've got your Bibles, I would never expect you to come to a restaurant and show you around the beautiful tables and the beautiful silverware and the beautiful kitchen that we have and, and then say, okay, have a, have a good afternoon. You go to a restaurant to eat. We come to church to get the Word of God. So I have a word for you, and the, the title this morning is Answering the Call as a Church. This is what we're doing. This is why we have been able to make it 15 years. I don't know all the stats, the latest stats today, but I can tell you, unfortunately, there's more churches closing down today than there are opening around the world. Planting churches is something that is not in the heart and the mind of many churches, unfortunately. We've talked about that before. What's in the heart of many churches is building a bigger building, building a bigger place for everybody to come to. But God said in his word that he would build his church, 
and that as we build that church, it would expand and it would go into all the nations. And I want to reference off a little bit of what um, I believe it was Brenda that said about church being a marriage. And as we listen to this message, I want you to think about that. Because marriage, when you make a vow and you make a decision, is, is a for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, and sickness and health. We just had three weeks in a row of having weddings, and it's significant today on this fourth week that, uh, that we're, we're having a wedding. We're the, we're the bride of Christ. He's the groom, amen. And we're celebrating what he has done in our lives this morning. And we're the church, and we're married to Jesus. And one of the worst things that happens today that I can tell you after 30 years of preaching the gospel that I see in this church world is that there's a, there's a thinking in the minds of many people, maybe you're one of them, that I love Jesus, but I don't have to go to church. Now, I know I'm speaking to the choir because you're here, but you might be here because it's a festivity, it's a special day. You might not like church. You might not want to be a part of a church. You might have been hurt by a church. But I want to show you in the Word of God today that this institution that many people say is just that, it's just a man-made institution, is not a man-made institution. This is instituted by Jesus Christ, and this organization of a congregation is God's heart. This is God's heart. And he does look at it like marriage, and, and I'm going to kind of finish with that thought, but one of the things that was said was it's amazing how people can just pick up and leave, and just like some people just pick up and leave a marriage. You just, you know what, I'm just not happy anymore, and I'm just out of here. That's not, God intended us to make a commitment to our church just like we make a commitment to our marriage. And just like a marriage is not perfect all the time, neither is a church. A marriage has struggles and a church has struggles. A marriage has good times and bad times and a, and a church has good times and bad times. And so there's a very strong correlation. As a matter of fact, Paul said, I show you a mystery. The mystery of the church is very powerful. So as we talk about that and, and as the church is misunderstood, how many of you ever, by the way, you can put yourself in this as you raise your hand if it's you personally too, but how many have ever met somebody who said, I love Jesus, but I don't need the church? Let me see your hand. Lots of us, right? Okay? That's not biblical. We heard people say all this morning that we preach the truth. That's not biblical. To say you love Jesus and don't need the church is, is, is totally false. You can't tell Jesus you love him and not love his church because he instituted it. And so if I were to ask you, this is something important. Let me say this real quick. How many know that quantity is, or sorry, quality is better than quality, quant, quant, quantity. Quality is better than quantity, okay? Always. And so sometimes we think something has to be mentioned a lot of times for it to be important. And if I were to ask you, because some people would say, you know, Jesus didn't talk about the church. He didn't, he didn't institute this thing. This is man-made and all those things that people say. And I were to ask you, how many times did Jesus mention the word church which I'm going to get into in a second, is ecclesia in Greek, okay? You might say 5, 10, 15, 20 times, right? You'd think it needs to be mentioned a lot of times. And, and, but I'm going to tell you that it's only mentioned twice. Jesus only mentions the word church, ecclesia, two times. But I want you to understand this morning that it's not the quantity of the times he says, it's, it's the quality, it's the, the way he says it is much stronger than how many times he says it, okay? 
How many are with me so far? So he only mentions it twice, and, and two main scriptures, one I'm going to get into if you want to take this for notes for later, is Matthew 16 and Matthew 18 are the two uh, places that he specifically says the word church. Okay, We're talking about why we're here today, why we're celebrating. I believe that many of you are already committed to the church of Jesus Christ, just not of Latter-day Saints. Amen? You're committed to the church of Jesus Christ, the church of God, in Christ, and, and but you might have some strengthening this morning from this message. Some of you might be on the fence. Some of you might think, you know, I'm not sure about this or, or don't want to have anything to do. Someone watching online, this is going to help you. I believe it's going to help you solidify the importance of church. Although I said a couple weeks ago, and I do believe this, even if it wasn't biblical to come to church, just having a family alone is a big enough reason to come to church. You heard these testimonies, I have a family, I have a family, I have a family. I have somebody who's there for me when our own family many times is not there. How many have found a family in your church? Amen. That alone, even if it wasn't biblical, is a pretty good reason to come to church. But as you think about this, you might say, well, it's only in there twice, so that would confirm that, that erroneous thought that church is an institution, it's man's invention, uh, Jesus never said much about it, or that he didn't intend there to be a church, is what many people say. So, simply, the, weighed, the, the, the words two times mentioned must be weighed more powerfully in quali quality than quantity. Here's what the church means. Many people don't know this. This is going to help you. The Greek word ecclesia means, listen to this, a called out assembly of, or a congregation. A called out assembly. So God calls us out of this world, not to not live in the world, but he calls us out and to be a congregation, to be together. He, 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 he wanted there to be a place where people could come together. It, it doesn't matter if it's a few people. It doesn't matter if it's 500 people. He established there to be a place. And that that place would affect lives. So I'm going to show you in the scriptures this morning four things, if you're taking notes, real quickly, that Jesus said about the church. Number one, in Matthew chapter 16, he said, I will, I will, Jesus says, build my church. Okay, there's one of the two times he mentions it. Let's look at this. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. He is asking his disciples who, who the people say he is. Jesus came to the region. I actually read this particular part of a verse in a different angle a few weeks ago. And he asked his disciples, saying, Who are men saying that I am? And you heard Dylan and Brittany in their, in their testimony near the end as a newer couple in the church. They had a revelation who Jesus was. Everybody in this place has to have a personal revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Not who your dad says it is, or your brother says it is, or your sister, or your, or your family, or your friend. Who is Jesus to you? And when Jesus becomes somebody to you, your life changes. If he's just somebody that you admire, no change. But when you say he is the way, the truth, and the life, your life changes. Amen? Things change. You become a new creation. So he said, who, who are the people saying that I am? And real quick, we'll go through this part. He says in next verse, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then he asked the question that I ask you today and God asks us all, who do you say that I am? 
Simon Peter answers, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now watch this. This happens only by the Holy Spirit. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood. In other words, your carnal thinking has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So we know that we get saved as the Father through the Holy Spirit ministers to us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now here's the key. And I say to you, Peter, and on this rock, sorry, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. There's the ecclesia. On this rock. Now, real quickly, Doctrine 101, this is important. There's an entire denomination of churches that has a billion members that thinks that when he said this, that it was built on Peter himself. And the entire religion made Peter the first pope and made Peter and the papacy who the church would be built on. That's not the Bible, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, upon this rock, first of all, he's the rock, but upon the understanding that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, upon that statement right there, I'll build my church. Amen. And then he says, and the gates of Hades or hell will not prevail against it. There's nothing in hell and there's nothing on this earth that can defeat a Bible-preaching, Jesus-believing church in this day today. Nothing and nobody can defeat. The gates of hell cannot do it because he said, I'm upon the, the truth of who Jesus is, who, the revelation you just received, I'll build my church. So a church that is healthy, a church that is strong, is a church that understands that this church is built by Jesus, and the church believes that Jesus is the rock, the chief cornerstone, and the church believes that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Okay? And then it goes to say, then if you believe that, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Isn't that good? So number one is I'll build my church. Number two, he says there is forgiveness and salvation for a few chosen people. I'm just texting to make sure you're still awake here. What? There, Jesus says, number two, and I'm going to show you it. He says there is forgiveness of sins and salvation for those who repent, for anyone who repents. Luke 24. How many believe that Jesus' last words are important? Before he ascended into heaven, these are his very last words. As he is about to go up after spending 40 days on the earth, appearing to over 500 people, them seeing him, touching him, eating with him, fellowshipping with him, his physical body, glorified body, a real physical body, just like we will have when we go to heaven or when the rapture happens. He is about to go up into heaven, and he says these words, that repentance and remission, that means forgiveness of sins, should be preached in his name. Shout that name this morning. Shout it louder. In his name to all nations, 
Reach, teach, sin. That's the call of God. And we're talking about the call of the church. What are we supposed to preach? Lots of things, but the most important one is anybody can be forgiven and saved if they believe in Jesus Christ. Say, let me say that again. Anybody can be forgiven and saved if they believe in Jesus Christ. Amen, Michael? Anybody. There's nobody that cannot be forgiven if they will repent and say, I'm sorry, and I believe Jesus is the way. So Jesus says, this is what I want you to understand. I need you to go, and I preach the gospel, build my church, but let them know anybody can be saved. And it's going to start here in Jerusalem, and then it says it's going to go on to the next verse. And sorry, and you are witnesses of these things. It's going to start here. How many know that there's, there's not a church today? Only a church today in Jerusalem. There's a church in Denton that's 15 years old. There's a church in Colorado Springs that's 40-something years old, 50, almost 50 years old. There's a church in the, over, in, over in, the, in the Metroplex that's six months old. There's churches all over the world. There's church in Czech Republic, in Mexico, and Cuba, and Costa Rica, and El Salvador, and Africa. Because it started in Jerusalem, but they got the memo that they were supposed to go do something with the gospel. Okay, that's what a church is supposed to do. And, and then he says, behold, last words, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem till you are endued with power from on high. Okay, that's going to come back in a second. We've got two so far. Now, I'm going to read something that I think is very important here that I wrote down yesterday. It goes back to what I just said a minute ago about how we look at church. I'm just going to read this as something that happens all too much. Because it is literally God's will for you to be in a church, the same church, your whole life. You're, you're supposed to plant yourself. Now, listen, I'm not going to waste time on all the scenarios that can happen. You can move. You can All kinds of different things can happen. Even when you move, though, you better pray about it. We've got lots of people who moved and they can't find a church that's preaching the gospel. That's why we have people that drive two and a half hours to come to this church. Because when you find the truth, it's hard to find. Just like finding a good friend. Just find, find a good, a good, someone that, that believes the same thing you do, okay? So, but let me read this paragraph. Without warning and without explanation, families often leave a congregation with which they have been associated for more than a decade. Listen, couples have been married, babies have been dedicated, funerals have been done, etc. And the members of that church are left behind with a grief-stricken uh, situation because that congregation has sacrificed for those families through crisis, they have given funds, they have made prayers, they have made visits to the houses, they have cooked meals, they have given money, they have provided babysitting, they have given counseling, they have given times of their lives to these people, and all of a sudden, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, they're gone. Why? Because they, listen closely, they like so many others, and this is just, just tell me, hit me, Pastor. So come on, who? thank you, I'm going to give it to her. She said, at least one person. Why are they gone? Be, this is going to hurt. Because, like so many others, people see the church as a voluntary association, like a health club, rather than a commitment to a marriage. 
Amen? This isn't a health club that you sign up for at the beginning of the year, and then by June you're not going to it anymore. Amen? This is the church. This is the place that you ground yourself. You put your feet in and you say, I'm going to serve in my church. I'm going to stay even when the going gets rough. And the going gets rough, I'm going to get rough too. And I'm going to get strong and get on my knees. I'm going to fight through this. I'm going to make it happen. I'm not leaving my church. My church has done a lot for me. And it is the representation of who Jesus is and what Jesus did for us. I just realized something, man. I hate when, when God does this to me, but hopefully he'll give me something else. This would have been a great uh, conference message. Sometimes I'm preaching a message. I'm like, man, this would have been a good at conference, but I can't preach it anymore. It's just for us today, amen? Sometimes I wish we didn't have a live stream for that reason. So number one, he says, I'll build my church. Who will build this church? He didn't say you'll build my church. That's why a powerful church always pushes the glory up to God. This is his church. This is his doing. This is for his glory. And remember this, we're representing Jesus. All right? We're representing Jesus and his church. When we're his church and how we treat each other, how we love each other, there's, no, there's nothing that makes me happier than when I hear those that, that someone comes in and says, it's a family, because that's what it's supposed to be. That's what Jesus intended it to be. And, 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 and I, guess, I guess in a way I'm, I'm preaching a message that I was going to preach a few weeks ago that I just realized maybe this is it. When it's right, when a church is doing right, when a church has the harvest in the right place and has their heart in the right place, and it, when a church is right, I'm not talking about right about everything because we're human, but I'm talking about in the right spirit, there's nothing like it. It's like being in heaven on this side of earth. Has anybody felt that? It's like being in heaven on this side of earth actually seeing what it's going to be like in heaven where we have to come here and get along. And then, but when, when, when we're looking outward and we're saying we're doing what Jesus told us to do, we don't get as concerned about what's inward. We don't have time to, to bicker with each other and fight with each other over little things because we're trying to reach people in the Congo this morning. We're trying to reach people in Costa Rica this morning. We're trying to reach people in Africa and in Czech Republic. We're trying to reach people, all these cities around Denton. Amen. Our heart and our mind is on, is on what Jesus wants it to be on. So he says, I'll build my church. And then number two, he says, they're, they're in that church, if they'll preach forgiveness and repentance of sins, I'll be there. Number three, and then he says, this is the other part where he says, mentions the church, go tell somebody. I got a good nugget for you this morning. I also got to sit with my pastor for a couple hours and eat breakfast. I'm so thankful for that. It's been a long time since I've been able to sit down with him and, and eat with him this week. And so I asked him, Pastor, if you give me one thing. Go back to the 70s and 80s and 90s when it was, your ministry was booming and this was all starting and you were building that great church in Colorado Springs. Just give me one thing. What's one thing we got to do? What's the one thing we got to just make sure we're, we're not missing out on? He said, go tell somebody. A church that goes and tells somebody what Jesus has done for them. That's what a church is supposed to do. Just go out of here and tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. You become an evangelist. And you say, man, you can come. To my church is safe because we love people there. 
And we're not afraid if you come there and, and, and the preaching's hard or it's straightforward because it's going to help you. If you'll just stay in it long enough, it'll change your life. Right? And so we have a place we go, go tell somebody. Just go tell somebody. That's why we have tracks out there and Jesus cards. And, and you just pass that card out and you say, listen, I don't know what you're going through, but this is what Jesus did for me. After all those years of ministry, what a nugget, amen? Just go to, the, the church grew because people began to go, and I see that in this church. So it's exciting for me because I want, I want our church to do what that church has done, which our home church has done, amen? So here it is, Matthew 28. Again, these final words of Jesus. And Jesus, verse 18, came and spoke to them. And said, all authority. How many of us know we're not functioning in all the authority God wants us to function in? But we got to try. Has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And go therefore, that's the go and tell, and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you even to the end of the ages. Amen. Go tell somebody. That's Jesus' words. That's Jesus' last will and testament. In other words, don't let me die in vain. Would you have the attitude this morning, and I don't want to get tired of saying it because I truly believe it, every single person in this place with the most recent testimony here, even though they're probably not the most recent couple, Dylan and Brittany, if we did this church just for you, just so your lives could be changed and you could make heaven your home. All the way back to Laura. Laura, if we just did this church for you, it would, everything we've been through, every sacrifice is worth your soul. And I would take the time to look at every single one of you and tell you the same thing, and that's what Jesus would tell you. I died for you. Don't let me die in vain for that neighbor, that loved one, that enemy. That person across the street, that person that's a coworker, that person that's at the store or the gas station that is looking more for hope than you think. Just go tell somebody. Amen? Just go tell somebody. That's what Jesus said. I don't know about you, but I want to do what Jesus said. What did Jesus want us to do? He's telling us. And number four, the last one. You can write this however you want. There's a couple different ways you can write it. I, I just thought of this even different when I put it in my notes. Don't do, it in, don't do it yourself. Or don't do it in your own power. The number four is do it under the power of the Holy Spirit. When we hurt people is when we're doing things in our words. When we hurt people is when we do things our way. When the Holy Spirit is involved... God does amazing things. And this church, in case you don't know, in case you're visiting or a guest, and I don't care if this keeps you from coming back, don't matter, we are a Pentecostal church. And so are you, you just don't know it, and I don't have time to preach that message right now. You can ask somebody later, say, what do you mean I was Pentecostal? Okay? I don't have time for that. I don't want to chase that rabbit. In other words, we are spirit-filled in other words, we can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus knew that. He said, I'll build my church. The gates of hell won't prevail against it. 
I'm gonna, I want you to go preach repentance of sins, and I want you to go tell somebody. But I don't want you to go tell somebody in your own power. I need you to go tell them under the power of my Holy Spirit. And we read it a little bit ago. Can we put that one back up in Luke 24, even though it's not in the order? 49, that last verse. These are his last words after he goes and tells them to preach the gospel. He says, I send the promise. If you're here this morning and you want to make it for God, you need to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Seek it. Ask for it. Want it and desire it. Why? Because Jesus said he wanted you to have it. It's called the promise. And that's another message I can't take the time to go into. But the Bible teaches us in this church from the word of God that the evidence that I know I'm filled with the Holy Spirit is that I have a prayer language and I speak in tongues. As you notice, as you're in this congregation, if you're a guest, you notice that there's order here. Chairs are in order. No one ran around and did cartwheels this morning. No one's hanging off those chandeliers right there. Nobody has done any push-ups. Nobody has shouted anything or blurred anything out un, out of ordinary while I'm preaching. That's because the Holy Spirit can be here and it can be in order. That's exactly why Paul took an entire chapter in the Bible to talk about the order of how the Holy Spirit should move. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the fullness. And he says, I want you to go wait for that until you are endued with power from on high. And that's not even the verse because then it ties into Acts 1. It's my last verse. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Literally, tied together with Luke 24, the last spoken, audible words of Jesus with his feet on this earth. I mean, no, that's pretty important. The last words. You remember that as he, went, as he went up, the angel said, why are you gazing at him like that? As you saw him go, he's coming again. And by the way, that's the next event. And the word, we're not looking for a hole in the ground. We're looking for a hole in the sky. How many are looking for Jesus to come back this morning? How many are thankful you're in a church that talks about Jesus coming back and us living a life that's ready for Jesus to come back? So he says, as he goes up, before he leaves the earth, you shall receive power. Power. You know what separates a live church from a dead church? Power. You know what separates a live socket from a dead socket? You can have all kinds of power in that socket, but if there's no electricity to it, it's meaningless. You plug it in, too many Christians are walking around plugging it into nothing. We need power. We need power. We need an over, overdose of power, an oversurge. Let, it, let, it, let, the, let the breaker flip, Jesus, on me. And for those that have done any idea of what construction is, let it flip. So much power surging through. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. For what? Why does he do it? So we can, oh, listen to my prayer language. I speak more than you. No, no. Why? So we can be witnesses. So we can go and tell somebody. So we can tell them in love that they need to change their lives or they're headed to the hell that you and I were headed to before we met Jesus. So that we can build Jesus' church. That's what we're here for today, to build 
the church of Jesus Christ. And it says, you'll be witnesses to Jerusalem. This is the finish of Luke 24, 49. And in Judea and Samaria, and then it'll end with the apostles, and then it's over. What does it say? To Denton, Texas. To Denton, Texas. All the way over here. To Denton, Texas. So as I close, take it in order. What did Jesus promise to build? A church. What is the church? A people who are called out of this world to congregate together. The verse I sent out today, do not forsake the assembling together of yourselves, as is the manner of some. And even more so, church, if you are here and you haven't been in church for a while, you are in a good place and it's time to get planted again. And if you're watching online and you're not coming to church, get, let me say it really nice, get your behind back in church again. Because Jesus is coming soon and this is not the time to play around with the things of God. Amen. Everybody just shout out so they can hear it online. Get back in church. Did y'all hear that? We're talking to you. Yes, you. Not the one behind you, you. Tell, tell the person next to you, stay in church. Stay in church. Stay plugged in. This is your house. This is your home. This is your family. It's a beautiful thing. So as I said in the beginning, he didn't say anything else, but I'm going to build a church. He didn't promise any earthly institute, do you, know, you realize as, as much as it's been used, Bible institutes are not what Jesus said to do? Did you know that? He didn't say go build Bible schools. He didn't say go build cemeteries, I mean seminaries. Did he? No. He said go preach the gospel. In this church, we're not perfect, we're not the best, but we're doing what God called us to do. The people who are out pastoring right now, in churches around this metroplex and in different places that we've sent from our church, just like from our home church, we don't go to Bible school. We go to the school of hard knocks. We have a PhD in that. And the HCD and the DAH and whatever other letters there are. Amen. The school of hard knocks. Experience. We teach, we learn the Bible, and then we go and we tell somebody else. And we figure it out as we go. Okay, so he didn't promise to do anything else but to build a church. And he said, my church. This is Jesus' church. That's why we take so much pride in it. And that's why when we sometimes don't feel like coming or don't feel like serving. I know I'm closing, but can I just throw this in here real quick? We got a lot of people here today. Serve. Our goal is for every single person in this church. See, we have about probably 300 people here today, and we have about 70 people serving. Praise God for the 70 people serving. We want all 300 of you to be serving. Amen? Amen? Serve. Do something for God because when you're serving, there's an accountability and there's an expectation for ministry. And there's things that we expect that are standards that are straight from God's word. And as you're doing these things and building your life and, and, and staying involved, then you, when you wake up some mornings like even the pastor does and you don't feel like going to church, you remember this is Jesus' church. And this church has been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. And I am going to go to my church and I'm going to worship my Jesus and I'm going to serve other people because Jesus deserves it. Does anybody love Jesus? So don't count Jesus' words by the quantity. 
count him and weigh them like silver and gold. He said two powerful statements, two places. He said the church and told us four things to do. A serious hole, last thought here, exists in our Christian discipleship if we are not fully committed to the church as Jesus envisioned it. I would like to say this morning that as Jesus looks at this church, this is what he envisioned. I hope this is what he envisioned. Where I'm accountable, listen, where I'm accountable to others and others are accountable to me. Where I am responsible to others and others are responsible to me. Where I can count on you and you can count on me. And we can count on each other. That's what the church is. Lord, today, in all humility and honesty, as the pastor of this church, I ask and pray and hope that we are the church that you spoke of 2,000 years ago and that we're building your church, that we are preaching your gospel, that this is a hospital where anybody can come in to be treated and we will never turn somebody away and tell them that they are too bloody for the emergency room. Lord, that anybody can change, anybody can be saved, and once we come to the revelation that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, not only do our lives change, but we get purpose. And our purpose becomes, now I have to go tell somebody about what Jesus did for me. Lord, that is the great commission. And Lord, we know today that with or without us, you will build your church. But we want to be a part of it. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed all across this congregation, this ecclesia, this church this morning that God built. Because it's not something Carla or I built or any of our workers built. It's something Jesus built. We're just servants. We're just messengers. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, the question is today, are you a part of the church of Jesus? You don't become part of the church of Jesus by checking off a box at a church service. You become part of the church when you accept the fact that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that you are now blood-bought and that you are part of his church, not by membership, but by commitment. That God wants to do an amazing work in your life and the only way you'll truly fulfill the call of God on your life is to be part of a local church that is preaching the gospel. Today you might think, I don't know what I could ever offer. Offer yourself and watch what God will do. Today, have you done that? Today, have you submitted your life to Jesus? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, follow me. Today he's calling you and he's saying, follow me. He doesn't promise everything to be perfect, but he promises to be with you to the ends of the age, to the ends of the earth. Today, I want to tell you something as you're listening closely, and I, and I know that some of you are guests and some of you maybe are watching online for the first time. Some of you have been invited. I want you to understand something. In this church, every one of us, are on equal playing ground 
in the sense of we are all sinners. Every, the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means we all need a Savior. And Jesus made a way for us to be forgiven. He made a way for us to be restored. And it is not by checking a box and going to church. Church is the place that you come to congregate with other believers and show your faithfulness to Jesus. But the decision is, I surrender my life to you today, Jesus. And it's no longer, as Paul said, I that live, but Christ that lives within me. Today, you will at one moment, maybe it's today, maybe it's tomorrow, maybe it's a year, maybe it's 10 years, we'll all also stand together in one place called judgment. And as we're in that place, our names will be called one by one into a room and we'll all stand before God individually by ourselves. Today, as I'm praying, you might feel like the spotlight is on you. It is. You might feel like I'm the, you're the only one I'm talking to. I am. The Holy Spirit is speaking directly to you. And he's asking you, when you stand on that day of judgment that Hebrews 9.27 says will happen, will you stand before me as your judge? Or will you stand before me as, I, as a savior to you? Jesus wants to be your savior. All your sins can be forgiven this morning. That's the good news. How many in this place, from front to back and side to side, would say, Pastor, today, today, right now, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. Just lift up your hand. I see your hand. I see your hands. I see your hand. How many more? I see your hand in the back. I see your hand, young man. I see your hand, sir. You can put them down. How many more? Today, you've never given Jesus your life. You've never surrendered to Jesus. Today's the day of your salvation. This is why the church exists. This is why we're here. For people to repent and be saved. This is why Jesus built his church. Somebody told you about Jesus today, and now you're here. Let's surrender to him. Let's stand all over this place this morning. And as you're standing, even though we've got added chairs this morning, there's still room. I want to ask you to do one more thing, if you meant that. You want to make a decision to surrender to Jesus. Jesus said, come follow me. And as he said it, he walked. They had to walk and follow him. It wasn't a verbal decision. It was a physical decision. They dropped their nets, they dropped their physician papers, they dropped their tax collecting papers, they left everything and they followed Jesus. And I've always told you, listen closely to me today, whatever Jesus asks you to leave, what he gives back to you way outweighs what he asks you to give up. Is anybody a witness of that this morning? He asks you to drop those things. And in return, you get eternal life. Don't count the things that you got to go through on this earth. That's not a, that don't matter. Think about heaven and eternity with Jesus. If you raised your hand, I saw many hands come up. Won't you just find that nearest aisle and quickly, without hesitation, step out and come down to this front of this church. Quickly, all over. Amen. Let's give them a big hand as they come. Come on, how many more? There were some hands back here. 
There were some hands over here. Come on, quickly. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to come today. Come on. You won't stand alone. Amen, brother. I saw your hand. How many more? There's still some hands over here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This is why we're here. This is why we're here. For souls to be saved. Lives to be changed. Amen. There comes another one. Amen. How many more? Come on, just come. Don't you ask that person near you, are you ready to meet Jesus? Don't you ask someone by you and say, hey, are you ready today? Do you need to go? I'll go with you. I'll go with you. Hallelujah. Come on over here. Don't be ashamed. Come on. You're already up here. Amen. You're already up here. Come on. There's another one right here. Hallelujah. It's, it's, it's just raining a little bit more to get a little cooler for me when we go outside because Jesus loves me and knows I hate heat, so don't worry about the rain. It's going to pass over. But this is the business we're here for today. The rest of the celebration is awesome, but that's not why we're here. This is why we're here. And we've been preaching the same gospel all these years. I just have a different voice, a little bit more weight on me, a little less hair. My wife looks the same over there. Somehow, hasn't changed a bit. Blessed, amen. This is why we're here. Let me speak to some of you that are standing back there, and you might feel like you're okay with God. I want to make sure you are. You may be in a church somewhere. You may be a member of a church. You may have all these thoughts in your mind of what saves you. And what has, what has happened from Jesus' words is people have believed, because nowhere in my message today did I say that the church saves you. The diff, there's a difference between Jesus establishing a place to meet, a congregation of people, and who saves them. Because the truth is, you may not believe this, but I believe some here might believe this, that the place you go to or the membership you have or, or the paper you have as a member or whatever, that's what, no, that's not what saves you. When you stand before God, those of you that are still back there, that I don't know maybe, he's not going to say, hey, what denomination were you in? Let me see your membership card. How, many, how was your church attendance? Let me see your giving receipt. Let me, let me look back on the video when you were water baptized. He's not going to look at any of that. None of it. He is simply going to ask Jesus, the one who built the church. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com. Yes, he is. He is exclusive, and he has every right to be, because he's the one that died. Son, is, is Tito's name in the Lamb's Book of Life? And Jesus is going to look down, and he's going to say, yes, Father. He confessed me on this date and this time, and he has lived for me, and he's gonna, it, because he put his faith in Jesus, it's going to have nothing to do with the church he went to. Victory World Outreach isn't going to be mentioned for church salvation. I hope it's mentioned for preaching his gospel, but not for church salvation. 
So maybe you're here still. We don't know what tomorrow brings, what next week brings. We don't know if this is our last time together. I want to make sure every single one of you here are ready. If the rapture, if Jesus took his church today, would you be here left behind or would you go? If you died your last breath today, would you stand before God as a judge or a savior? Think about it. Membership won't be there. It'll simply be, did you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins and did you repent of your sins? Jesus said in, in 1 John 4, if it, chapter 1, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'm going to wait five more seconds. If there's anyone, how many could say, I'm still standing here and I'm not going to, be, I'm not, I don't care if I'm, if I'm embarrassed. I don't care. I want Jesus to know I'm going to make a public confession for him before we say this prayer today. Five, just step out of your seat and come down if you're still out there. Four, you still need to come. Three, two, one. Come on. Come on, make a public confession. Amen. From your heart today, say this, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. I don't deserve it. I am a sinner. My sin causes me to be separated from you. The wages of my sin is death, but your gift is eternal life. I believe you died on the cross for all of my sins, and I ask you to forgive me. I repent, and I ask you to wash me clean from all of my sins. Today, I make a public decision that you are Lord and Master you're the way, the truth, and the life. Today, write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And today, Pastor, Lord, today, Jesus, from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to listen to your voice. Devil, I turn from you. I no longer serve you. I am a child of God. I'm a new creation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.